Elizabeth, a cultural programmer here at Mosaic, and today's topic is going to be on education equity, and I have a special guest with me today. I have Melina Tellez. She is a graduate from San Jose State University. We can go ahead and have our guests introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Melina. That's correct. I recently graduated in December 2020 with my degree in sociology, and I did share different classes with Elizabeth, so I'm really excited to join you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad to have you back. Um, But yeah, so for this episode, I wanted to talk about education and, you know, equality and a lot of issues surrounding our education system. And I know that whenever we do talk about education, I feel most people tend to focus on a lot of the problems that are tangible or they're material things that certain school districts lack, which are for sure important. And we're going to talk about a lot of those issues that are around technology, as well as resources like books and stuff like that. But then there's also a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes or subconsciously when it comes to our curriculums and how a lot of our teachers in the classroom give us their teaching style. They give us a certain agenda or Uh, hold more value sometimes in the long run rather than you know whether you have certain resources in the classroom and I guess what I mean by the unconscious or curriculum that the teacher might have and how that influences the students would fall under their teaching mindset or the type of mindset that they project onto the students and how the students um, internalize that or how they receive that so for example there's the growth mindset or there's the fixed mindset these are two different type of mindsets that I'm sure a lot of us have heard about these two key differences in terms of learning styles so I feel like these are key things that a lot of times we don't talk about enough or at least in our education experience and how that is kind of manifested in a classroom so for example I'll use myself as an example, I guess. When I was in elementary school, I guess I could say I had a combination of a working class slash middle class um, environment in terms of the schooling, the type of schooling that I had in regards to zoning laws and um, with redlining and all of that stuff. So in my area, if we focus again on the teaching styles that my teachers had, for the most part, a lot of them did not really encourage a lot of creativity. And again, it may not necessarily be that teacher itself, but because they're following a certain curriculum that limits the student to kind of show any creativity when they're writing, let's say, um, when it comes to creative writing or book assignments, if we're specifically bringing up English class assignment so a lot of classes in the working class you would read a book and then write a report on it but when it came to math classes if I kind of look back the focus wasn't much on whether you understood the assignment or not but it was more so on repetition so it was more so repeating the assignment getting in 
in a certain amount of time. So they would time you and then it's kind of like, okay, you have like a minute for you to finish 20 multiplication tables. And then you were there trying to memorize the multiplication tables. And as you know, as the semester or the year progressed, the problems would get harder. And then maybe you would start to kind of get more and more wrong. And then because you were socialized or conditioned to aim to get as many as you could correct in a certain amount of time, once you start kind of developing the wrong ones or get more wrong ones, and then you get your paper back after it's graded and then it has like a red mark on it, but no feedback on how to get it correct. And it's kind of like, okay, well, I don't know if I would say that's the best learning learning method learning method yeah it's more so and and you know at the time you might not think it 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 makes a big impact because you're like okay like it's not a big deal but if we kind of try to think about it in a kind of bird's eye perspective okay how does that end up manifesting into our work life or our life outside of education once we go I would say that it's it's very effective in a lot of the curriculums and the type of education that we get in our own upbringing, because a lot of these things end up being pipelines, if we want to use that word, since it's exactly. a word that is very, very commonly used now in social media, but it creates mm-hmm. a, a pipeline from your educational experience as to what type of job you will acquire after you go through K through 12. And I think at least for me, that is very telling in terms of a fixed mindset as well. But I think teachers and just overall the education system, whenever you got an F or maybe you got an assignment wrong, and, you know, especially because everything is a grading system. If you failed in an area, it pretty much was not seen as an opportunity for us to gain experience from that failure and do better. And if you failed, it was more so kind of like, oh, it's a reflection of you as a person, you know, or it's kind of like, okay, Mm -hmm. you're a failure. Like, why didn't you? Taking something personal. Yes. It's kind of like, oh, okay, why, why didn't you study harder? Like, what were you doing? You know, instead of catering to the student and, you know, saying like, okay, well, what can we do better next time? Or what can we do to improve this score? Where do you think you can work in this area? And I would say, you know, just as a little example there in, in my own educational experience, I would say that is interconnected with your own social economic background and your family life, because a lot of times your family tends to have their own mindsets and learning mindsets, and they tend to be interconnected with the type of mindset that is in your school, not all the time, but a lot of times there has been, I believe, quite enough research to back that up where it's, you know, a fixed mindset at school in that same zip code area, then it's most likely it, it could also be in your home as well. So I think in my own experience, in my home life, my mom, considering me a working class middle class at one point, but then working class more so um, for the majority of my life. And I do see a pattern in terms of my mom's mindset and when it comes to um, ideas around learning, which kind of Mm -hmm. blended in as well with my own in in school, when if you were to, you know, do things wrong, then it's kind of like, okay, like timeout or stuff like that, you know, but if punishment, yes, Mm -hmm. more so like punishment rather than 
negotiation, which I think in a lot of uh, middle class schools or as well as schools and homes, a lot of kids tend to have, you know, negotiation tactics to negotiate for, let's say, if they want to go play outside, then their parent will ask them like, okay, well, first, they'll use first and then statements. So first, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do your homework, and then you can go play outside. So they don't focus more on the no. So they're socialized and primed in that age, how to be ready in a professional setting. So which is why I, I kind of invite us to kind of look everything through a bird's eye perspective and how that socialization stage as kids prime us to our own professions later on in life. So these kids in uh, middle class environments that are taught whether directly or indirectly, but more so indirectly, had to negotiate for things, they, they're kind of being primed to be in a professional work setting where they can, you know, prime and negotiate for Mm -hmm. xyz you know and as well as confidence I think that's that's a a very important one too where these kids in a lot of middle class environments they given an open space to be confident and it's encouraged you know and it's through encouragement so it, it ties back into everything with mindsets and the kids not using a lot of direct words where it's kind of like no or you could do better a lot of encouragement that is part of building confidence into a kid in a young age and I feel like in a lot of fixed mindset environments whether it's the home or in the school it it tends to reflect later on into that kid and that kid starts to kind of internalizing a lot of that and once they go into let's say they tend to go in higher ed um so to kind of give you guys some perspective as to my own experience and how that kind of has developed into me Melina do you have anything to say in terms of what you have experienced yourself or have even seen in 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 other people while you were in uh, k-12 Yes, I think a lot of I think a lot of what you said really touches upon how a lot of beautiful things are just kind of lost when it comes to like the hidden curriculum, the type of mindset that is sort of projected on you, uh, especially in your environments with other people like authority figures, teachers, parents, aunts, uncles other figures that are super important like coaches things like that I think a lot of the beautiful things are lost when it comes to communication and I'm speaking more on the working class environment because I would say that throughout my whole life I was working class until probably maybe until like I almost finished college because now I would say that my family is probably reaching middle class because we're not technically middle class but we're also not super working class but what I'm trying to say is that when I refer to beautiful things that are lost I want to say communication is the number one Because if you, at least for me, I grew up in Eastside San Jose, an area that has schools that don't have a lot of resources when it comes to technology, textbooks, and the type of activities that I did were very, I guess you could say redundant, things that like 
you feel like a robot would probably do. I remember that for the most of like my education, it was a lot of worksheets. It wasn't necessarily a lot of projects that I could definitely remember. And I think you you talked about something that like really resonated with me when it ca- when it comes to having the liberty to be creative because in one of my college classes I didn't really understand how to be a person I guess you could say because I didn't know how to communicate my ideas I didn't know if I could be comfortable sharing things I didn't know if it was okay and I think a really big thing when it comes to the fixed and growth mindset is that I feel like in working class environments you have like a lot of times we have fixed mindsets because I personally feel like I had a fixed mindset for the longest time until I was in college and had a growth mindset. And like, you know, I, I transitioned into a growth mindset Mm -hmm. because I was in a different environment. It wasn't like a go, go, go environment. It was a, it was a space where I could actually learn how to think and like express my thoughts and everything. I went to therapy and all of that. And Mm -hmm. I realized that it's okay to slow down. And when it comes to, I guess you could say, the transition, I'm so glad you bring that up. So because that whole I'm with you on that, like, I understand um, what you mean by kind of coming from an earlier environment where everything was kind of set up to have you on this fixed mindset. And then for me, it was pretty much the same thing once I went to college and then I was exposed in a different environment although I would say even in SJSU it, it, it may have more of a growth mindset but it's still intertwined with a lot of fixed mindsets that it can be very triggering once you're trying to heal once you're trying to go on to the growth mindset and you kind of encounter certain certain professors or certain curriculum even in the institution itself that has a lot of fixed mm-hmm fixedness in there it it can be very difficult but I'm I'm really glad you kind of brought that up because even myself I I feel like they there needs to be more conversation around this topic but more so Mm -hmm. precisely when it comes to a lot of the tags that can be uh, attached to it like I know we're talking about uh, working class and uh, or, or now also middle class but also perhaps you know first gen and you know race and in terms of social it's a big one it's a big one because I feel like as myself that I carry you know my identity what that I would say I'm a first gen Latina Mm -hmm. working class but there's a lot of other people who may share the same identity tags as me but the circumstances are not the same you know and I feel like it is very valid to even consider the times that we're in now and I know that they were um there's been a surge or there was a surge of like divorce rates in like the early 2000s um and I think now the most recent data has decreased in comparison but when there was that peak of you know high divorce rates and I'm mentioning this not just because it's like my own individual circumstance but because again it's like a bigger population of people who come from one parent household a head of household it's a completely different dynamic to kind of dive into a higher ed institution and the type of social capital. And that's also considering, okay, like what type of relationship did your parents have? Do you also 
have parents that can both actively be in your life, even if they themselves are not together. And I'm bringing this up because it all ties in with social capita and your ability to how I think you were mentioning, you didn't know how to really express yourself or you didn't really mm-hmm. know how to like socialize yourself into a brand new environment. And then the thing is, is that what you're kind of pointing out and what I'm kind of pointing out too, <laughs> as a result, it's a way bigger problem, but I think it's, less talked about or at least from my experience so far at uh sjsu because of the fact that i at least coming from community college and even though again considering sjsu is more like a commuter school and it's a scsu so even then noting how diverse our campus is coming from a community college the transition or the difference was very, very different for me to kind of yes. adapt to SJSU just because I noticed the biggest difference in terms of, like I mentioned, the tags. Like, okay, when I was in my community college, the people who were there, it, it was a lot of people who also came from one uh, head of household. So a lot of the people who were there were like working to middle class around the same kind of like social capita as me. There were also mainly minorities in my classes. Um, But again, with the whole one head household tag, it makes a huge difference. And of course, everyone's experience and environment is different. But me, as I kind of reflect back, a lot of the people who ended up just getting their their associates or just kind of going back into um, retail, which I want to touch on touch on a little bit more later on and how our early education and like the mindsets and all of that hidden curriculum indirectly kind of leading to that pathway uh, for your education is kind of connected. But essentially, once I came to San Jose State, and I was like, okay, there's a lot of other people, like, it's very diverse, racially, racially diverse. Um, And there's a lot of first gen students, too. That's great. That's cool. But it wasn't until I think, like, the second or third semester that I then realized, I'm like, okay, we can have a lot of similar tags as a lot of other people that may have, again, like the same tags as you do. But I forgot about a really important one, which was social capital, social Mm -hmm. capital. And then that's Mm -hmm. one that really makes a big difference in terms of how you are able to kind of like adjust well in a new environment. And, and it's very telling, I feel like, when you are a person like me, or like how you were saying you had a hard time Mm -hmm. kind of adjusting in which is why I'm glad that uh, you're here with me today, because I feel like a lot of the spaces that do tend to be taken at SJSU are from people who already have social capital, which is not something negative to kind of look at, you know, Mm -hmm. but if I kind of reflect back is a lot of the people who were lost or like kind of um, the strain. That's how I kind of saw like the transition from community college to SJSU and that transition or that strain being kind of like the system where it's kind of like, okay, you're kind of climbing that higher ed ladder. And then especially now, if you're someone who is considering higher education past a BA, and it's kind of like, okay, what would you need to acquire that social capita at the end of the day? Because why? Mm -hmm. You would need letters of recommendation. You would need, for you, you would need to have time for you to spend you know, doing extracurricular activities. And that's the thing too, when it comes to extracurricular activities, if we really look at the word extra, it's called extracurricular activities. And that is Mm -hmm. something that I feel like 
it shouldn't be considered extra because a lot of the things that are considered extracurricular activities are the things that help you develop as a person and kind of develop that social capita and develop that, you know, confidence and that creativity, all of that stuff that a lot of working class individuals, if they so happen to reach higher ed past, uh, you know, K through 12 or past uh, community college, a lot of those people, especially if they're commuters, and again, SGSU being a big commuter school, a lot of those students do not have the opportunity to kind of engage in extracurricular activities, socialize themselves or gain that social capita. And again, tying it back to like, if, if looking at their tags from, from early in K through 12 and their home life, their own families, because I feel like it's also super important to know your parents' professions, your parents' jobs make a huge difference in terms of who they're connected and how they quote unquote prep you to acquire social connections. And a lot of times in a lot of working class environments, it's not something that your parents really talk about. It's just something that if that student ends up going into a, a new environment, they figure it out themselves. They're like, oh, okay. So it's, it's not by merit, you know, <laughs> it's, it's something that you kind of have to know people in order to get exposed to certain resources mm -hmm. or certain information. And that's just something, again, with the whole education equity, and it's a really big problem, talking again about extracurricular activities and even in K through 12 and all of that and how a lot of classes, if I look back, my high school didn't really have that many extracurricular activities except from like cooking. It was a cooking slash child development, a photography course. Um, and this was, of course, when I was in high school. So maybe now they might have implemented more. But again, it's these things where in certain, you know, high schools that a more affluent area could have had more resources, more clubs, more, you know, readily available mm -hmm. technology that isn't for students. And it's kind of like if you're one of those lucky students who was able to go to college without a, a school system that kind of had all those physical resources on top of all the stuff that we talked about briefly when it comes to like mindsets and like the curriculum set your teachers kind of use to teach you if you kind of manage to still go to university it's like yes good it's a good thing that you were able to do that but then at the same time you're going to be faced with a lot more issues uh you know that come with that so it's it's kind of disheartening at the same time <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. if you kind of think about it, you know, like, to new levels, there's new devils, the name of the whole podcast. But um, yeah, what do you what do you feel in terms of everything? Well, I think that, well, I feel like when I finished high school, and that first semester of college that, that I had, I really had a lot of, I wasn't in an okay place in my life. And then it hit me in that first semester that things will never or maybe even through later in my college life but I do remember feeling like nothing is as if they nothing is as people told me it would be so I personally feel like in working class environments in working class schools where there's a lot of kids with parents who are around the same like economic range mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the times we like I want I even want to say like romanticize this idea that there's going to be this direct way to college 
that if you just get good grades and you do good things, then it'll get you somewhere. But a lot of what's missing in that type of conversation is the the how do you say it like the extracurricular stuff and exactly like the personal abilities yeah like the personal abilities that you have to develop as a person socially to get to where you want to be and I feel like if I would have developed things earlier especially like communication confidence all of these things all of these things that are missing from like these worksheets that were given to me as a kid all these practices all these like to-do lists that's what was missing me being able to talk to someone to have a conversation to really express myself and as we were talking about earlier in the students who have been in like elite environments and middle class environments is that they're given this space to really help themselves like develop themselves They look at themselves like as a project, like if I can't do it, then I'll figure out a way to do it. But I feel like as working class kids, we're like, oh, if I didn't figure out how to do it, that probably means like, I don't I will never know how to do it. And I think another good point when it comes to fixed and growth mindset is that with a fixed mindset, we always seem to depend on something else to give ourselves value. Whereas like a growth mindset, it's like, oh, you're giving yourself the value that you didn't realize that was there, that you didn't realize that you could, you know, work towards it and really understand that not everything is perfect. Or, or like there's a saying in Spanish that says nobody, nobody is born knowing. And I feel like that's right. like a really good phrase for people who have growth mindsets because they really understand that they were not born knowing all these things that they could learn all these things whereas kids or like a kid like I was um, in a working class environment I always thought that I had to know these things I feel like all the pressure that I had on like what you said like you know these times tables worksheets that had to be completed in a minute or these like really repetitive exercises didn't really teach me how to communicate they didn't teach me how to be creative they didn't really teach me that there's multiple ways to figure things out like middle class and elite students like they can figure out so many things in different ways and they have the resources and they have the the communication there in general so yeah I think that's when it comes to reflecting on like the K through 12 education, nothing is just as simple as it seems. Like, I feel like there's so many, like, what do you call them? Like graphs, like little examples that like flyers that they're always promoted, like this kind of like straight line to get to wherever you have to get to, but it doesn't include all the important things that you have to do. You have to talk to your professors, you have to communicate with other people. And I think in my personal experience in working in the working class environment, it's so individualized that we're just, we don't know how to, well, at least for me, I probably should speak for myself, but I never really understood how to work with other people, how to communicate with other people. And I didn't learn that it was actually okay to communicate with a professor. 
Well, like that I, was the I, hardest I, thing. Like, because I know you said sorry to cut you off, but mm-hmm. I know you said it's an uh, you think it might be an individual thing, but I don't think it. I don't think it. it at least me, because I, I relate to that. Uh-huh. But I know other students too, and I've seen it in classrooms. You know, and I think mm-hmm. you mentioned something really important. You said like they never tell us we're supposed to talk to professors and mm-hmm. I agree but I do feel like even if they do tell us you know you have to go talk to professors because I hear that a lot now mm-hmm. at least in college where they're like you have to go talk to professors but they tell us to do that but they don't tell us how I'm like okay yeah. can go talk to exactly. you and then I'm just gonna like be awkward and then you're gonna think I'm just like this awkward person which <laughs> absolutely you know it's like how do you properly uh-huh. talk and and you know it, that's something that you can of course learn by seeing other people at least that's my mm-hmm. learn like if I see other people during doing something then I'm like okay so that's the the way that that's the way uh-huh. you know but that's not always gonna occur you're not always gonna have that uh, mm-hmm. kind of um, prepping if I use that word to to see how, yeah. how to properly do it you know because uh, as per se like it, you wouldn't just go up to a professor and be like hey like can you write me a letter of rec like no <laughs> there's a process you know and I know exactly. that just because I've I've been I've seen that I've seen you know like some people some people may say like oh well it's common sense but I feel mm-hmm. like even then it, that comes with some sort of privilege and knowledge with social capita to a exactly. lot of people you know and I feel like you need to take a moment to kind of reassess yourself and recognize when you're speaking out of privilege and not necessarily feel like it's an attack to yourself and I know it can be mm-hmm. uncomfortable you know and like even for myself because I've, I you know you would have to do that several times and it's like just because mm-hmm. I know that there's like a process um and you know also noting like I know that there's a process to how to handle certain mm-hmm. things or kind of what not to do but you don't know how to actually do it yeah a more effective way where a lot of people who might have had social capital and like had better resources and better mentoring they know how to do things more where it seems more natural you know Mm -hmm. so I think when I've heard a lot of conversations or you hear about like maybe students they do something and then there's judgment uh, attached to it from people who have had resources or like the social capital to have that uh, knowledge Mm -hmm. and how does that put you in a position you know where you're kind of like oh shit well um I don't want to um ever do what that person says so let me take notes you take like mental notes I'm like mm-hmm. okay so that's how, how how you don't do that okay great mm-hmm. you know so it's like and it's I honestly I feel like you shouldn't have to have to go through that because it only worsens the problem where it's like you're putting those individuals under duress under stress where they're already dealing with the adjustment and if and if we just don't have compassion for each other honestly at the end of the day I feel like we just kind of need to be more compassionate towards everyone you know especially mm-hmm. during these times or in the pandemic too including that where it's there's a lot going on but yeah but I wanted to kind of touch on it on the topic of how that ends up transferring over to your work life to the profession mm-hmm. that you end up developing or the profession that you like I said earlier kind of like your pipeline you know after Mm -hmm. you acquire a certain level of education and then again considering the social capital that you've acquired via your own family which is or parents which is Mm -hmm. a source of connections so I think with that 
with me. And then again, noting that a fixed mindset is more prominent around um, blue collar jobs. I would argue Mm -hmm. that. I would argue that it's the perfect kind of like, perfect kind of place for people that came from working slash middle-class backgrounds that have that fixed mindset uh, ideology. And it is very similar or it mirrors kind of that blue collar works. So I guess when it comes to examples I can think of when it comes to blue collar work, retail or restaurants, warehouse workers, uh, and I'm sure there's, you know, a handful of other, of other more, but pretty much jobs that are focused around labor and because and then if we include you know our, our economic state which you know we're running under capitalism so with that in consideration and then knowing that usually the ones who end up having to deal with all the pressures that come with that ends up being the working class and ends up being labor workers and all that pressure how does how does that manifest into these individuals that ends up mindsets that they kind of were taught in education in that same environment which is what prioritizing quantity over quality so the same kind of if I were to use the math example like uh, them timing us to have a certain number of uh, answers answered under a certain Mm -hmm. amount of time the same kind of concept can be applied when it comes to these labor jobs where they don't really care about you know your creativity they don't care about the you know, the quality of what you're kind of presenting. They don't really care a lot about these things. They care about you to be able to reproduce as many things as you can in a certain mm-hmm. amount of time. So more kind of like repetitive robot, robotic type of work, you know? So I feel like it's valid to try and make that connection and to say, hey, like there's a problem in our education and it's a problem as to how they are linked in that sense. Because mm-hmm. if I were to do that comparison too with the, with the middle class environments that can have that uh, growth mindset included, but if we want to go to the extent and say, you know, the professional schools or the, the private uh, elite schools or schools mm-hmm. that have kids, you know, encouraged in their creativity and uh, their leadership roles, what does that kind of translate over when they're preparing them to the quote unquote real world in their professional lives? They've already mm-hmm. have you know the assets they uh, that come with that territory you know where it's like okay um I feel confident enough to execute these ideas I feel confident enough to kind of um be a leader in certain Mm -hmm. environments I at home I know how to delegate and negotiate for things Mm -hmm. that I want so it's very easy for that individual from a very young age to kind of transition over to a professional environment that caters to that kind of learning process and Mm -hmm. I want to go back from when we touched on us going into a university and we kind of started to have that transition where we realized okay this is kind of the way that was taught to me this is what I was Mm -hmm. under a fixed mindset and once you try to move from that growth mindset how a lot of times because you've been in environments before too especially for all of us that have been working while we were going to school and you just constantly faced with mindsets that were fixed while you were in an institution that was trying to perhaps give you that expose you to that that knowledge of hey you know maybe you can learn from your mistakes or hey like you can try again a Mm -hmm. lot of those growth mindsets that you can 
trying to adapt into your mm-hmm. everyday life, it can still be in conflict with the values that you have at the current job that you may have mm-hmm. you know, while you're in school. And if you're working in a, let's say in a restaurant or you're working in retail or again, like mm-hmm. Amazon worker, for example. So you, it can be very hard for, you know, a lot of individuals that are trying to get a better education, but they're continuously faced with that fixed mindset again if they're mm-hmm. in agreements that kind of contradict each other that I'm sure is like a lot to handle and I know from personal experience it is a lot especially when you don't have like support systems that kind of understand that and how you were saying earlier like you didn't really know how to properly socialize in certain areas how to properly talk to certain people you said professors so mm-hmm. kind of like that I don't know, have you ever had a conflict uh, at school trying to develop that growth mindset and then you were still in another environment that kind of clashed? How was that for you? Yeah, I think coming home at certain times and trying to have like these conversations with my parents, like I remember, like you said, like our home life and our school life and our work life is very much interconnected. And I think growing up, my my mom, especially, I spent more time with her. She has a really fixed mindset. Even to this day, there's so many things that are very black and white for her. There, not, Nothing is ever in between. And I think in work environments, like, for example, the working class, we are in environments where we only have to take orders from someone. We have to get things right. We don't really have time to kind of think, express, or anything, or talk about, or really digest what's happening And I think that I think a lot of the time those experiences with my parents and having been in in an environment um, such as San Jose State where with my professors, I was given space to express myself, to to actually argue something, to actually discuss something, to actually feel discomfort in a space. And then after feel like, okay, I understand this topic better because I didn't know about it before. Going home and trying to practice that same type of communication with parents who didn't really we didn't really value that, I guess you could say, like, it goes back to like social capital, where it's like, okay, in my home environment, I am not an authority figure, and I'm only supposed to listen to authority figures, I'm not supposed to challenge them, I'm not supposed to discuss, I'm not supposed to delegate, I'm just supposed to sit here and listen. Whereas in college, it's like, oh, now you're here to sit and talk to me and delegate for yourself and discuss these things and work with other people. So working with other people, I think is a really important thing that I try to take home. Or I even even to this day, like I try to bring it home and be like, let's work on this together. Sometimes it comes off as like, oh, this person feels like now they have power to really make decisions around the house. And that really kind of sometimes I feel like that exactly that power dynamic with me and my parents, they could probably take it they they have taken it that way where it's like, no, you're actually just supposed to be here and listen, you're actually just supposed to be here and do what I tell you to do or things like that. So I do feel like I have been challenged with that fixed and growth mindset, more so probably in my home than in other places because in other places like in other social settings I don't have to stay in in spaces where 
I'm kind of expected to follow these fixed rules like these fixed social rules where as a woman I'm probably not supposed to do x y and z as a woman I'm not supposed to do so and so or things like that and so I think I even to this day too I probably have these issues where I'm like I catch myself and I'm like no I probably shouldn't think so black and white because there's things that could be gray like I feel like as sociologists we always we're the type of people who we have a problem presented to us from someone and then they ask us what do you think and they probably expect like a good or bad answer and I feel like we usually say Right. Well, there's multiple right factors yeah. to this. <laughs> yeah. There's multiple factors to this. I need Let's more context. <laughs> exactly. So I think like both those instances, yeah, like, you know, there's, well, well, you could see it this way or you could see it that way. So it's like now, I feel like as sociologists, we do grow into this growth mindset. I, fe- I also feel like it's the nature of the career itself, the degree itself that we get is that we're supposed to investigate how these things could turn out to be different or how these phenomenons are like not exactly as other people simplify it to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, as because in my family, I'm probably like the second woman to actually receive a degree in like two different countries, like when I mean two different countries, I have family that's, you know, in Mexico. So the first cousin, thank you, the first cousin who actually graduated, she graduated from in, in, in a university in Mexico. And I'm like the first person here in the U.S. that graduates. And I think it's just hard to take that, like to really understand, like, it's okay to have this like new mindset. Like, it's not something that was supposed to be there before. Like, again, going back to the fixed mindset, it's not something that we're born with. It's not something that we have to keep forever. Unless we physically get out of that environment, we move somewhere else and try to, like, you know. But we, but again, it goes back to, like, the K-12 education. Did you learn? Did you, did somebody tell you that you had to do all these other social things to access that? Were you able to learn that? And if you weren't, it's like, for me, I always felt like it was probably like, I think in my last couple of years of college, I was like, if only I would have known that I had to get an internship, (laughs) if only I would have known I had to, I could talk to professors, if only I would have known that I, my opinion is actually okay to share, then I probably like, if I would have learned that from like, even before high school, I probably would have gotten into different spaces that I couldn't have imagined being in as like a young teenager, like a really like young adult. And the thing, I'm so glad you bring that up because I feel it is also worth noting that some of us, even if we do have some type of understanding, like, okay, I should probably have an internship in, mm-hmm. in my given area of study. A lot of times, even if students do know that, they don't physically have the time to do that because they have exactly. to work outside exactly. of area to survive. Yes. This is why I kind of want to make this podcast and, and not in any way to kind of shun or shame or create more separation or what's it called? Um, division. Division amongst us, but more so as to bring awareness to this, you know? And I mm-hmm. feel like although a lot of these topics 
are topics that have been talked about or are topics that can be known but then again that's very subjective because what what's the audience you know but yeah. overall I feel like it's never too much to talk about certain topics because if it gets you to kind of think and again knowing that in SJSU a lot of people who are in extracurricular activities a lot of people who have the privilege to be in clubs have the privilege to kind of mm -hmm. be more involved in campus life are people who have some type of social capital have some type of ability to do that so and resources which mm -hmm. I would say I'm very privileged now to have that experience and I know a lot of students don't really have that experience to try and get more involved mm -hmm. because ultimately I'm sure a lot of students would want to get involved but they don't really have you know the resources or time or yeah et cetera, to kind of do that so I think it's very important for that I conversation to be had I like that you mentioned time because some people really can't take a day off work to like go and take the day trip for that one class that they have to go to like a museum or something like they would rather do They would rather, they not that they would rather, but they have to work and it's very crucial for them. Like a day of work is super crucial to even miss it. Whereas for like middle class and elite students, it's like, oh, I have the opportunity to be in X, Y, and Z club. I have the opportunity to, to do this other internship that's unpaid or whatever it is because I have the time and the resources to back me up. Whereas like working class students don't have like that safety cushion where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Like, I'll do it. So there's a really big difference with time and resources. So that's really uh, the biggest thing that like you mentioned, like it separates the it separates you from people who like don't have the opportunity to have student life and and like us that were able to really put ourselves out there and have the experiences and really go for it not that they aren't but at a at a different like with a different experience yeah yeah those are definitely a lot of things to consider and I hope that everyone listening can kind of take something from this podcast um I'm so glad that you joined me today Melina Tellez um in this podcast I'm super grateful um thank you so much everyone for listening listen carefully
Thank you.